This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Classic reissues from Bay Area Thrash Legends Testament are available now at NuclearBlast.com. Get Demonic, Live in Enhoven, my personal favorite, The Gathering, featuring Dave Lombardo on drums, Live at the Fillmore, and First Strike Still Deadly, a re-recording of their classic debut album, The Legacy. Get it on CD, Digipack, cassette, and colored vinyl, featuring reimagined art by Marcelo Vasco. Testament have never put out a Brad record. If you don't own these physical copies, do yourself a huge favor and get them today. All reissues are available now at NuclearBlast.com. Once again, NuclearBlast.com. And now for letters to the worst people at metal shows. And there's no moral to the story. Read the lines in between. Dear obese metal fans in mesh tank tops, we understand that you can get a little overheated in the pit, but the smell of the California-style burrito you pounded before the show squeezing through your pores like a Play-Doh fun factory is making it impossible for me to breathe through my nose. And let me tell you, breathing through my mouth isn't doing me any favors either. It tastes just about as bad as it smells. Oh, and having my mouth open primes me for the bukkake of back sweat that's coming my way every time you get stoked on a particular grimy riff. Maybe that mesh tank top is a little more breathable than a cotton t-shirt. But at least when you smash your back tits into me in a t-shirt, there's a barrier between me and your back knee. I'd rather smash my bare forearms up against a soaking wet t-shirt and take a Purell bath when I get home, but you just expose 50% more of your skin. Be considerate. Put a grown-up t-shirt on and save your third nipple for the dark web. Love me. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Hey, everybody. Metal Sucks Podcast. It is I, uh, your host, Petter. I'm always joined by... Brandon Guchon. Hello. And... Jocelyn Sharp. Uh, over in the, the metropolis of Claremont, Oklahoma, Jocelyn's on tour right now doing stand-up comedy, guys. Check. They have a Burger King there. Do they have a Burger King there? So, well, I'm in Claremore, so Claire. they might have a burger game in Claremont. <laughs> yeah, I said the wrong place. But yeah, you guys catch her on tour if she is in your area. This week, guys, we get an interview with uh, Dave Windorf uh, from Monster Magnet. Man, I've been a fan for over 25 years, so this is a really fun talk with me. Their new record, perfectly titled Mindfucker, is coming out March 23rd um on napalm records guys and so uh we'll get to that interview in a little bit we're gonna jump into the news the first story that really struck me this week guys uh best buy is gonna stop selling cds uh hit by july and there's rumors that target's gonna pull their uh, cd selection as well i don't know what do you guys think man they're not making money they're a big they're a big name business they're not making money what did you expect Mm, i don't see i wonder if um do you think they're not making money? Maybe. They're not making money yeah, off CDs. Yeah, I mean, who, who's driving to Best Buy to buy a Smash Mouth CD? That's I, not happening. I got to tell you guys, like, but back in the day, Best Buy was like the place mm-hmm. to get CDs. Well, somebody once yeah. told me, mm-hmm. the world is going to owe me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. That's uh, a Smash Mouth reference. Oh, oh <laughs> dude, I was, I was like, what are you talking you never saw, about? You never saw Shrek? Um, oh god damn it um i don't i don't don't understand that why this is taking so long that's what i don't get well what i personally think is that um i i I thought they would always sell cds and stuff like that for some reason best buy and yeah i understand that their format has changed completely 
from where it was a long time ago, man. But I have so many great memories that I, I do understand that it, it probably needs to stop. I haven't been to a Best Buy to buy a CD in years. But I mean, growing up, I had so many great memories. And then, yeah, it dwindled down. But the last five years, I mean, I haven't stepped oh, into dude, a Best you don't Buy even see, for a CD. You yeah. don't see people in Best Buy looking for DVDs. You don't see them looking for CDs. They're obsolete. No. They're obsolete. And the thing is, is it, it's not like it's a record store where they specialize in selling records. Mm. You know, it's, a, it's Best Buy. Right. You know, and all their, they're not, they're not worried about art, but with the major chains, like you said, Best Buy, there was a mention of maybe Target stopping that with the major chains stopping to sell CDs. I mean, that hurts music in a lot of ways. A lot of their purchases, um, you know, oh, let it be we, Christmas, let it be this for stocking stuffers. They would go through the CD section and get stuff, right? Well, this is totally on, this is totally on board with the fact that, uh, all stores know, are going out of well, business. Well, technology yeah. is take technology is completely ruined CDs and it's ruined art. The internet has fucked art, and that's this is just another continuation. We already saw this happen. We've seen this going on for years. But you, you, yeah, and then bands haven't been making money off their albums forever. Like right. it's been a long time since they made money off of album releases. So the CDs being in store, I mean, most fans are buying them either directly from the band's website or online, anyways. Or if if they're even buying them. So yeah. You guys have no sadness of Best Buy. So. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Joss, you don't care either? No, no, no. I used to work there. It's evil and I hate it. Oh, wow. She's got a personal. <laughs> what happened to you at Best Buy, man? Did you steal uh, CDs at Best Buy? Let me ask you that. Did you get fired for stealing them? No, no. I worked for, I was a direct TV employee that worked at a Best Buy. So I had to bug people who just wanted to come and get oh, and be you like, were that do you bitch? want Sunday ticket? <laughs> you were that bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I just want to look at a new washer. I don't give a shit about your Sunday ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. So moving on to the next story, I guess I'm the only one that's got all my good Best Buy memories, man, but uh, I'll miss it, dude. I, like I said, the last thing I bought there, I remember they were exclusively selling Chinese democracy at Best Buy. That was the only place you can get it, the Guns N' Roses record when it came out. And I, and I went about three months after the release, and they were selling the vinyl for $1.99. Yeah. <laughs> that's the last that's how, thing. That's how that's little last people thing gave shit about that record. About at, about at Best Buy. Yeah, I got the vinyl for a day. Hey, that record's good, man. I think people were wrong. But, I mean, it's definitely not up with their other stuff. It's still a great record, though. So, uh, next story, guys. Um, Bill Burr, comedian Bill Burr. I mean, he is uh, a favorite amongst every comic I'm thinking out there, but also a huge fan base. Uh, he did describe on his podcast, and I remember hearing this. This was a while back. Um, cause he is a drummer for people that don't know. So he practices drumming a lot. And, um, he described that seeing Meshuggah live was a, uh, a fucking life altering experience for him. Was it in a good way or a bad way? A very good way. Okay. Yeah. He's very positive. And, uh, to get a cosign from such a, for a metal band to get a cosign from such a guy like Bill Burr. I mean, what, how important is that for us? Uh, I don't think it's that important just because Bill Burr is big when it comes to stand-up comedy. Not a lot of, the majority of people don't even know who he is. You have to be like a fan of stand-up to know who Bill Burr is. Really? I feel he's uh, like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't agree with that true at all. Because yeah. now he has the Netflix show. Yeah. He's got F's for family. He's got, I mean, his podcast is huge. It's in the top, you know, all 50. comedy fans. Yeah. So, oh, I, I mean, but he, his comedy specials are big. I think Bill Burr is probably in the top three comedians alive today. It's absolutely. No, no I'm no, talking no. about like popularity wise. No, you're totally right. Maybe five, top five. Well, because I'm say, getting rid of Louis C.K. So, right. He's yeah, gone. He's uh, gone. I would say probably Kevin Hart is number one just because, you know, he gets so big that he, he can make a mo- like his comedy specials go into movie theaters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Bill yep. Barr hasn't quite reached that level yet. 
uh, even though I think Bill Burr is a far superior comic. Jocelyn, how do you I think feel? that I think that, that you're right, though, because of that, because of his fan base being people that are going to be on that side of the spectrum. I think that it's important for bands like this to get recognized by somebody as big as that. They deserve that. That's what I'm thinking, too. I think it's a big cosign. I think if Kevin Hart said, hey, guys, make sure you listen to so-and-so, I think it's, it's, it's going to make his fans be like, let me see what this is. A life-altering experience is a big deal, you know? And yeah. uh, so a lot of people will turn on and be like, well, what is this? But a lot of people will be like, let me see what Bill's talking well, about. I, well, you know, us three, we know who Meshuggah is, so you kind of get an idea. And look, and like I've been saying before, uh, the greatest musicians alive now, they're playing either jazz mm-hmm. or they're playing metal. Mm. And if you're a fan, if you're a musician like Bill Burr is, especially if you're a drummer, you're watching Meshuggah and you're watching their drummer just beat the shit out of those skins. Obviously, you're going to be blown away, you know. So so if you are a musician, (laughs) then, yeah, that's what you do. You go check that out. But I'd be I'd be curious to, to wonder, you know, how many people after they heard that podcast went right to their web browser and looked up the next Meshuggah show in their town, you know. Exactly. I think it's huge, man. I think it's huge when you have anybody on a popular scale and that has an audience that listen to him. And if you listen to Bill Burr's podcast, he's so relatable. He's such a, you know, he's, he's a cool dude. So it's like you probably would take his cosign and go check it out. I don't think so, because think I just so? think I just think metal is such a niche sound. You have to either love it or you don't. It's not like one of those things where you're like, give it a shot. OK. And then you, you listen to it and it's it either you love metal or it's or it's poison to your ears. Mm. So it's like unless you're a fan of the the genre already, then maybe a bump will happen for Meshuggah. But if you're not into the the genre at all, you're not going to go off Bill Burr's word. You're going to go to YouTube, you're going to check them out, and then that's going to be your day. I don't know about that, though, because I feel like sometimes, you know, you can close yourself off to something in your head. You can say, you know, I hate, you know, horror movies your whole life until somebody you really respect tells you, well, check out this movie, and then you watch it with a more open mind. You know what I mean? You might be right about that. And, and, yeah. and, you know, and the public is sheep, and if somebody who's making more money than them <laughs> tells them what to do, then they do it. <laughs> I was waiting for you to get out of the world. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, dude, the Jeff Gutt is coming back right now. I know, we got to move on to the next story. So, <laughs> the next story, guys. So, we've made many uh, bits about uh, Michael Keane from The Faceless, dude, because he has uh, canceled tours and done many things. Well, recently in an interview, he did discuss what we were we're all assuming, but has never been uh, really reported uh, in that he did struggle with addiction. So uh, the faceless has been up and down with uh, mm. everything. So now that he's out in the open with this uh, revelation that was being hidden, um, do you guys, does that change your look on the faceless or do you think it's going to be well, kind of the same thing? It's one less person to make fun of now. Mm. And that hurts our show. Okay. <laughs> Well, not yet. I don't like to feel pity or empathy, so I'd rather have not known. Yeah, exactly. You'd rather be a secret so we can keep making fun of Jocelyn's perfectly happy being ignorant. Just like, no, no, go back to the horse so we can laugh and point at you. But, you know, when people have addictions, guys, they, they, they harm everybody around them. Like I said, especially their fan base. So no, especially their band. Their, well, that's why there's been so many members right. of the faces, I'm sure. Like I, like I said, I'm not going to assume that the whole time he was in the band he's been that i don't know his addiction he didn't talk about that in the interview too much he just said that he was struggling with the addiction that he's playing now god could you imagine that what would happen if jocelyn were all strung out on h no actually it would have to be pete 
I mean, what would, would happen? Out. What would happen if Pete were strung, uh, strung out on H Jaws? What, get, what, what we'd, would we have to do? We, we'd get no interviews, and uh, the show would be over. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'd be like, Nothing uh, would get done because you yeah. and I would just talk about how much we hate everybody. Yep, and Jocelyn, yeah, the, every pizza, every one of Pete's interviews is just like, so, that one time you went to... That's me nodding off. Germany, Scheiser video. <laughs> just, just like that, that's mm, all. Yeah, okay. that's it. Yeah. I'd probably I'd probably get an email from the bosses being like, "Hey man, we noticed that you're nodding off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? we, we've noticed that you're nodding off. Uh, can, can you edit that out, Pete? Yeah, please. Uh, um, that's yeah. not what you use a belt for. I don't know if it would. It would probably bring us closer to Pete. It wouldn't drive a wedge because he'd finally not be. You know, he'd finally be just as fucked up as us. Oh God, I I can't wait for that. And then when it's he not going to happen. Yeah, yes. I know. I'm sorry. God, I'll never be it. as fucked up as you two. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Every day, every day I'm around Pete, I just think to myself, I'm like, you know what? This is what would have happened if I, uh, if I never touched drugs. All right. Edit. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> Will I? Will I edit Whatever. that out? You've done it before. I probably. No worries, dude. So uh, next story, guys, real quick, I want to touch on before we get into our interview with Dave Windorf. And me and Dave, we talk a lot, man. It's a just oh, a great interview. First name basis, huh? Yeah, Me and Dave. Dude, Look at that. We, we hit it off. I think it's a, it's a great interview, you guys. You'll love it. So uh, we talk rock and roll, man. The last thing, ACDC, um, they have confirmed, a, a reliable source has confirmed that uh, uh, they will continue on with Axl Rose on vocals and a new album is planned. Now, um, you guys, how do you feel about that? Well, when you're a a band the size of ACDC and as legendary as ACDC and inspirational as ACDC, you can't just go with a lead singer like Jeff Gutt. You can't do it. <laughs> wow. You just yeah. sold your boy out, no, bro. No, you I'm, did. I you, did. Last week, it was like, people don't know how much we edited it out of your rage with well, Jeff Gutt. But we well, because your stance was dumb and mine was smart and you kept fighting me. So this is what happened. Continue like, on with your Jeff Gutt ACDC no, joke. Here's the deal. It's like Jeff Gutt, I think, again, I'll, I'll back it up 100%. I think he's an excellent singer. I think he's an excellent performer. The problem is, though, is Stone Temple Pilots, without Scott Weiland, obviously, you know, they went over to Chester Bennington, went with that name, and the band was still playing arenas mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to be playing arenas with Jeff Gutt anymore, but they still needed someone with some kind of name recognition. Axl Rose, we're talking ACDC. They play not just arenas. They play ballparks. They play, they're, they're one of the biggest bands in the entire world, and they have been for the past, what, 50 years, would you say? Well, uh, oof, yeah. 50, man, I, I got to do the math real quick, but I mean, probably near 50 near years. Near 50 dude. years. Yeah. Okay. So they've been one of the biggest bands for, for half of um, Okay. Let's just say 40, you know, yeah, I think, say, I think it's probably, it's 40 something. Yeah. 40 something. I don't know when okay. came out. Yeah. And then obviously, so they're icons. Mm-hmm. So you have to get An another icon, icon yeah. to go out there and still drive the fans, you know, and that's basically what it is. I think that's the right choice because Axel, if you're a fan of ACDC, you're probably a fan of Axel Rose. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and exactly. So it's going to be a smooth. It's going to be a smooth transition. Right, and the familiarity of it. I mean, that's. I think that's what they're doing. I think they're just going for what's familiar for their fans. And the reviews have been great with Axel touring. I personally would love to see ACDC. I, we've seen it with Brian Johnson, and and hey, it's, it's they're they're amazing. Nothing beats ACDC with. I, I, here's the thing. My favorite all time ACDC is. Bon Scott, love Bon Scott, name my bong, Bong Scott, mm-hmm. love Bon Scott. Then Brian Johnson, love Brian Johnson. 
Big X. Uh, I love Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, if you mix the two together, and on top of that, too, like, Axl Rose does kind of have that Brian Johnson kind of vocal. It's not 100%. They're not, but they're but they're in that same area, so I don't think the songs are going to be too hard for him to sing. I don't think they're going to be a stretch. I, I think it's easier for him to sing right. than, than than the uh, Guns N' Roses stuff, dude. I, I personally oh, think yeah. it's a great transition, dude. I, I think they should put out a record. I think the record will be exciting. Uh, but the one thing I do want is I'd rather have a new Guns N' Roses record before that. Uh, I think if they put out an ACDC record with Axl Rose, it's going to sound like just like every ACDC record, just with Axl Rose on it. That's it. I don't think it's going to be anything different or a far cry from any of the other stuff they've but ever have done. You, have you because cared they about have, the last three or four records well, with Brian Johnson? They've always had the same theory mm-hmm. in all their songs. It's like, I want to know, is Axl Rose going to do the same kind of songs where it's like, here's, a, here's every single ACDC song. Fight, fuck, drink. I like that. Fight, fuck, drink. Well, I don't drink. like fighting, but... Yeah. Right. Well, I love all three. I know. No, but I, like, I love them all in my, my rock, hard right, rock. Right, right. But um, I think that they have, they've never had something to prove on the last three or four records. Even though they're, they've all been good to me. Rocker Bus, Black Ice, all those things have been good. They have had nothing to prove. So it's just like, let's just get our ACDC. The record with Axl Rose, it's like, hey, we have something to prove again. I think that they're going to have to... I mean, how are you going to be able to reinvent a band that's never reinvented themselves and still stayed on top? You don't. No, I'm not saying they have to reinvent themselves. I just think they have to bring their A game because things have changed. You know? Yeah. So I'm excited about that. So, but I like, again, I would rather have a Guns N' Roses record. I know that's, that sounds crazy because I really want the reunited Guns N' Roses to put something out prior to this, but we'll see how that goes, man. But, uh, with that, uh, guys, uh, we're going to move into our interview. But first, this March, Metal Blade Records will release Twitching Tongue's fourth full-length gaining purpose through passionate hatred. Directly inspired by film scores, the record has a strong, epic feel, while also maintaining the same levels of hardness and aggression that have characterized their latter work. Catch them on tour. They're opening for Hate Breed. Guys, go check dates. Pre-order your copy now. MetalBlade.com slash Twitching Tongues. Again, MetalBlade.com slash Twitching Tongues. And with that, guys, we're going to move into our interview right now with Dave Windorf from the Mighty Monster Magnet. Hey, everybody. It's Petter here. I got on the phone. Dave Windorf from Monster Magnet, man. The new record, March 23rd, is coming out on Napalm Records. It is called Mindfucker. Um, And uh, the cool thing that you did, Dave, you sent kind of a manifesto to us on the press and uh, one of the things that um, were said in there that I re- really stuck out with me is that stupid is the new smart. Which I think it is, yeah. I, unless I'm missing something. Yeah. No, which I think a lot of us completely agree. Uh, in your opinion, though, when did you see this transition start to occur in society? Oh, like you know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when these people started talking about dumbing down, you could see it in, in uh, you could see it in the culture. Yeah. You know, and all the culture. So stuff got more corporate. It became pretty obvious. It was like, it's easier for these guys to sell a bunch of inexpensive items to a lot of stupid people than it is to chase after smart people to sell a few high-priced items. This is why I'm always twisted up in, that, in, in the mindset of that, is that it feels like all the smart people are, like you said, not purchasing things. Maybe they're doing other things with their money because I feel like all we see is the stupid, right? But Yeah, I mean, that's, it's easier to sell. Yeah. I mean, it's why people are buying stuff, but they know what to buy. They don't need help. Exactly, like because they know what they like, um, and, yeah. and that's what it seems. Because day to day life, there is like you you can uh, you can talk to to more intelligent people, but for some reason, like we are uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. 
the social media, and I'm not trying to hate on social media or anything like that, but I think that oh, I, go ahead. No, you're good with. It. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm I'm like that as well, man. But like, uh, I think that we keep giving it too much strength. Like, how much of society do you think really is on like Twitter? If I were to give an estimated guess, twenty. No, it's just it's just a sliver, Dad. It's it's like yeah. it's crazy. It's like what's going on with that stuff is that there's weird slivers of very, very, very vocal people who like to fight. Yes. And it's like that that's not everybody. You know, everybody I know usually doesn't want a confrontation every day. You know what I mean? 100%. So, yeah. there's, you know, the real world, it can't, it can't it, if it's that, man, I'm leaving. You know? <laughs> yeah. If that's the whole world, I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a rocket ship to Mars. I'm playing I'm almost there anyway. But yeah, the way it appears is as, as if it, that's how people think. But I think that people just, yeah. it's idealism, it, weird idealism that's placed in, in a position that has some real effect on the news and on politics and stuff. So it seems like the world's going absolutely crazy when it's really not. But then is it, but is it not? No, it really is because people are believing it. They're basically making their own Kool-Aid and drinking it. It does. I completely agree with you. And and that's what I'm saying. Appearances are deceiving. So that's me in my positive mind to be like, no, it's not the way I see it. I think people that want to fight every day. And I think we were probably at that stage when we were 15 to like 18 years old. And I think Definitely. that voice is now more, it's just such a loud voice of that 15 to 18 year old rage. They're, I mean, and their brains aren't even fully developed. Neither, neither were ours, you know? And so with the social media and them being such a strong part of that message, I think that's where it gets so, the appearance gets so confusing for me, you know? Um, it's really, it's confusing for everybody. Yeah, that's the problem, right? The confusion, you know? Um, another thing you said, like uh, on the manifesto, uh, on the ma- ma- mindfucker thing, is that it doesn't pay to think, and that stuck with me as well. I'm like, because if you do think or overthink, like we're doing right now, it just leads to uh, I don't know, mass confusion and kind of like almost rage, you know, because yeah, well, things are so total rage yeah. because it's like, wait, hold on a second, I pondered and pondered this thing the way I was taught to do. To, un- to unwrap a problem, and in the time that I pondered it to do it the right way, a bunch of people who don't care about doing the right way have got the voice. Mm-hmm. So the more time you take to solve a problem, which is the way you should solve a problem, or any problem, seems like a waste of time because basically lying is okay. You know, it's all right. The president came out and said it. Lie big, lie often. Yeah. and people- Go ahead. And people accept the lies that are proven. That's another thing. Is like that was, that's that's the strangest thing to me. Is that like it's a proven lie, but eh, people just shrug their shoulders. Like we all lie. Okay, yeah, we all lie. I get that, you know. But you know, like let's like there's got to be how big you want to lie. You know uh, what yeah, I mean? And like ability. and how many times you want to solve problems by casting cast conspiracy theories and like, well, you know, you know the real story. They're all out to get you, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. no, they're not all out to get us, dude. You're out of your fucking mind. Exactly. They're all out to get you. That's the easiest way to get people completely crazy. Yeah. Oh, you know, I heard things, you know, it's like, yeah, fine. So 
as we try to, you know, as, as, as the halfway people with half a brain try to sort stuff out, everyone else is going, oh, you're wasting your time, you know? And it's like, oh, Jesus, where does this end? And the worst part about it is that whatever crazy thought you have, whatever you're like, oh, is this a truth or a lie, you can go, you can Google it, and you'll find someone with that same thought presented. <laughs> totally. So it's, it's like, um, I interviewed a, uh, this dude from Tribulation, and he said a, a Plato quote, quote to me a couple episodes back. And he said, you know, people spend their life, this is what Plato said back in the day, looking for truth, justice, or beauty. Truth can't be found, especially in today's society. It's, it's absolutely all over the place. Yep. Justice is uh, kind of a mess, you know, um, because it is, yeah. a lot of it is from a viewpoint of, of who you are, whether you're, like I said, there's victims out there that are victimized. And the other viewpoint, they're not even aware they victimized someone. It's, it's very, it's hard to find justice, you know. And uh, I commend, like I said, the systems in a way for trying to because it seems like an impossible task but i'm glad there's something there right but beauty as musicians as you know creators of things that is a life that is spent in the positive right and uh yeah that's, that's why i like talking to to artists and stuff like that because like the record's called Mindfucker. you know we keep getting our minds fucked every possible way um, but is there a way, do you think, to change it back for people to focus on the beauty instead of all the lies and the search for this uh, impossible truth? Yeah, I, I, I think there is. I mean, it just means people are going to have to be to educate themselves more and not, you know, you know, you can't always follow your gut. Mm. Sometimes, you know, if you go with your gut all the time, the way Americans do, which is, you know, it's worked for us in the past, but it's also got us a lot in a lot of trouble. You know, we've got to do our own investigations and decide what's, what we think is important or what's not. And I tell you, you know, the one safe way has always been, it's just like, you hear something, you hear some bullshit, and you got some questions about it, ask the questions, but don't fire off all the guns as soon as you hear it. You're just reacting to someone's opinion about it, not to the facts. And if you never get through all the facts, then so what? So at least you took your time. Nobody's taking their time to figure out anything anymore. So it's freaking them out mm-hmm. because I think they're they're losing. Uh, they they feel like they're losing control over their their actual comprehension of the world. And the thing is, we never had comprehension of the world anyway. Nah, and and the population's risen. And to me, like I've always said, I'm like the only way I can live my life to understand anything is case by case scenario. But we're always generalized and put into all these like subgroups of things and i'm like i just don't understand that because we're all completely different individuals and i always complain on this show and i'm sure they're tired of hearing of it of the death of the individual you know and i'm like dude it's like be yourself figure out what Mm. works for you it works for us and then when when the masses come at you right and they're trying to change your mind so you can fit in and you have that fear it's hard to stand up when you're standing alone, you know, it's, it's, it always is, but everybody has to at some point. And if you don't, you're going to side with the stupid people, you know? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. If you don't, you're just, you're at the whim mm-hmm. of everything from advertising to politics to everything. I mean, you know, basically we live in a, in, a, in like a post 20th century advertising world, you know, the 20th century, just taught us everything like if you're really important you'll be on tv if you're really important you'll be on a magazine cover if you're really an individual you'll stand out from the pack and you'll be this person and and you'll be a success in quotation marks somebody that's on the screen well 
everybody grew up learning that stuff, and the, the people that learned that stuff made these platforms for us to go on to all be these people. Look, I, I'm a star. I got my Facebook page, got my Instagram. I'm a star. It's like you, you're looking at it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You're not a star at all. You're just a person that's like on the same platform these people are selling. You're like. You're drinking your own Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's a, it's a religion. I, I, I say that. People are always, oh, Christianity's this, I'm atheist. I'm like, I'm like, we still have a religious mentality. We just don't have a name for it. And it could be advertising. It could be, like you said, the social media. But it's the same manipulation of minds, right? Yeah, it really works good for a mass amount of people. And it's like they really, uh, you know, it's, it's really what comes down to money. There's no, like, diabolical political scheme in any of this stuff, really. It's just whatever keeps the bucks flowing. People love to be part of something and be, quote-unquote, an individual at the same time. Like, I'm here's my individual Facebook page. But they're really not that individual. I mean, they're, the real individuals would turn around and laugh at this, right? Mm-hmm. Turn off the computer. Yeah, and, and go... I mean, a, a real individual would say, I'm not buying this. This is obviously... Uh, like, you know, this is obviously a road that you have to go 150 miles on forever. It's too much. And it's instant. It's an instant feeling, instant gratification, all that stuff. And, and I do, trust me, I fall for it too, man. You know, we all do. Cause yeah, me too. We have a computer in our hands, you know. It's like, oh, how do I get to the store? Ooh, let me Google it instead of just knowing it's to the right and to the left. <laughs> I've done that. I've MapQuest things two minutes away, you know, because um, I don't want to. Oh, it's a miracle. Yeah. It's, it's, almost, it's like, wow, wow, this stuff is a miracle. It's almost too good to be true. Well, so what did I just say? When I complain about it, I want everybody out there to know I, there is a bit of hypocrisy to me. I'm not above that line all the way. I just see it from the outside. And I, and I definitely can say I don't drink the Kool-Aid as much because I, I, I feel that's true. But I never, I never want to say that, hey, I'm smarter than anybody in, in that kind of light. Because uh, yeah. if, if I grew up in this era and I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, it, that's the only reason I see it differently is because I grew up in an era without this stuff. You know, I can't say who I'd be. It is such a, a different time, you know, and that's where a lot of the, when people are like, there's such a divide. I just think the divide is in the generations, you know, it's, yeah, it's, that's the, that's the generation gap of today. Yeah. You know? And it's such a different one. It, it's almost impossible to have the same gap of like, Hey, you know, I go to the record store every Tuesday to get my records to, I hit a click and I listen to a song. I don't even know what albums are, you know, mm-hmm. and just that in that format alone, you know? So the mindset, it's completely different. If you, if you experience art, if you experience beauty differently, then you're not going to understand it together. And that's the same way I feel about everything when it comes down to it, you know, with the generations. But um, we should talk about the new record because the new records what got me on this mind, this this thought process, man. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, Mindfucker, man, Mindfucker is a it's a great time. It's a good time record, man. It's like a it's an old school to me when I'm listening to it, man. It feels like an old school Kiss record. Uh, it it feels like that 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 the older vibe. Did you have that approach when entering the studio? Uh, to write these tunes, or did that just kind of come out? Of yeah, I, I did. I mean, I just I was I was riding my bike. It's like we went on touring, touring, touring completely. I came back in like this summer a couple of years ago, and I was I just did like three completely madhouse, long form psychedelic records. You know, mm-hmm. stuff with like nine minute songs and and complete trip outs and all this stuff. And uh, I was like, I think I got to rock. I, I got to rock again, you know. I'm riding on my bike, and I'm like, yeah, I like one of those, um, you know, like one of those 
records I used to listen to when I was a kid. Those 10 song UFO records, Kiss records, something like that. Except with Detroit. You know, I, I always I have fondness for proto-punk. Um, you know, it's just kind of, they used to call it just hard rock or hard rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. Right, that's what I want to do next. Something I can just whip up really fast and take it on the road. And there'll be no confusion, you know? Yeah, totally, man. And you get that right off the bat, you know? And, uh, what's, and that's something I did want to ask is that you did spend the last couple of years revisiting and, and kind of re-envisioning, like you said, Last Patrol, and you also did... Um, Cobras and Fire. That's the one, yeah, from... Uh, I can't Mastermind, believe. that yeah. was a re, I'm reimagining a Mastermind. Mastermind, yeah. yeah. Gods and Punk, I was going to say. I'm like, that's the song, it's not the record. So, and then doing that by revisiting and re-envisioning and, and kind of sticking like kind of inspiriting in the, the past a lot, this record is more like future move forward or, or did you just kind of retro it more in your mind? Um, I, I just, you know, I, we're doing that stuff actually taught me a lot, a lot about how, how far I can push the boundary of fuzz guitar, which is very informative to me. How much fuzz can I put on a record before it just totally whites out? <laughs> but um, it, it really, uh, this is part of, of Monster Magnet. The proto-punk is part of Monster Magnet. It used to rear its ugly head in several ways over, over, its, over Monster Magnet's lifespan. But I, I realized I never really put it all in one package before. So it was just something I was like, well, this is part of us, but I never really you know, put a, an exclamation point behind it. Why not just do it that way? Just Not just one song, but two songs, but three songs, and just keep hitting them. I wanted to write a record that sounded like a set of music, a live set. Ah, uh, nailed it. That's, I was just about to go with that, right? I go, it sounds like every one of these songs can be played live and just keep your attention going the whole time. That's exactly how I actually tried to write it like a set, too. I mean, the songs, the first four songs were written in a row in that sequence. Like, I was like, what would be the first song of a live set? What would the music be like? What would be the second song? What would be the third? What would be the fourth? And I just kept going on that messing around with tempos, you know, sitting there in a garage band, messing around, nah, 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 I think it should be 129, nah, nah, 135, nah, that, that sounds, not, you know, that's, that's too slow for the first song. That kind of thing, it's the first time I ever worked like that. I'm like, I'm going to write a set. And I tried to pretend that I wasn't in a band before. And like we had no legacy or there, there, there was no pre-knowledge of this band. I was like, well, what would be a, a set of songs if a band was going to play like a half an hour. If this was my first band, what would what would get the people at a show? So I kept thinking, like with a club in my head, like, oh, here's the club. Here's the first song. Here's what the band looks like. It's real weird. I've never written like that before, but it kind of worked. Yeah, I, I think it did. Because like for me, when I'm listening to the record, the centerpiece, like when we hit, it's like track five, like a drowning, I think track five or six. And then, yeah. and then, like you said, the first four songs, you're rocking, and then you're kind of into it, and then you got, then Drowning will hit you, um, and then it kind of, like, keeps you just focused, you know? And then it, it, it gets heavy again, I think, on the next track, it was like Ejection or something. Um, right. And then, but that's, that's exactly the experience that you want at, like, a rock concert. You want to be like, pull me in, keep me there, and then, boom. And that's that's I call it the epiphany moment when you're into it, and then it's just like, all right, I'm there. I'm just the amps are working, everything's in my face, and the record has that's, that exact vibe going. Yeah, so that's the way I used to look at stuff when I went to when I was going to shows when I was a kid. That's all I did was like 
buy bags of weed and go to shows. I mean, that was my life. You know, work at the car, go to, go to high school, work at the car wash, buy the bag of weed, buy the tickets, buy the albums. And that was it. You know, so I saw every damn show that was around here. I lived in the tri-state area. It's like the best place in the world for shows. And, uh, <clears throat> all the way from early seventies, hard rock, all the way through punk rock, uh, downtown CBGBs and stuff. And I was always looking for that, you know, like that set that would like do that to you. The epiphany moment where you're like, boom. Yeah. Yeah. And I got it a lot. Maybe it was the weed, but, nah. um, <laughs> I don't know. Man. I got, I got it a lot. I have nothing but the best memories about those days. It was the best. And then for me, like I, that's what I, I want my like role in that music where I want to be the fan. You know, I never wanted to be this, on the stage cause I'm just, I'm just a shy person. But like the fact that I, I had those moments all the time and I still do, you know, I'm 37 now, you know, so I've been doing the same thing since I've been 15. I just want to go to the shows and, and get that moment. And you never like, you can know every song, but you nailed it. If they don't get that set list where you, where it's a journey for you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was everything. Um, it, it, it's what, and you get that with records too, when they're sequenced, right. And then the band gets to do it again by resequencing songs from all their albums together and and uh it was the you know it's total high five you know like if you're with your friend and you both get it yeah that's the power of live i mean yeah it doesn't get any better than that you know when the volume's washing over you and like and the, the set's right and you get to that moment you're like man i'm so glad to be here exactly. <laughs> you know i'm glad i'm not home and that's why I always say when people are like, hey, give me, give me a greatest hits record. I'm like, no, here's the live record. That's the greatest hits record. They nailed the set list. This is all you need. You know? Yeah. It doesn't matter I what like, t- they're touring on. Like, you know, if we go back to something like Kiss Alive or Kiss Alive 2, like, that's the greatest hits record. You know? Like, <laughs> oh, man. Kiss Alive. That's the greatest. That yeah. Grand Funk Live is great, too. The first Grand Funk Live. That's the an live, awesome yeah. live record. And so it's yeah. like when people get, there's millions of greatest hits records by Kiss, obviously. And it's like, you can give them, you know, the ones from the 90s to the 80s to the 2000s. You give them Kiss Alive. They're hooked. That's the one, you know? Um, and that's how I feel about every live record, man. Um, it's got to be the right one now. So for you guys, what about, have you ever considered doing like a, a live record in the... In, uh, in now I am, you know, yeah. for, the, for a while there, I was thinking not because it just seems so, uh, uh, so after the fact, I mean, with YouTube and, mm. and, and phones and stuff, everybody recording everything, I was like, well, that's the last thing people are going to buy is a live record, you know, it's like, they got it all. But then, you know, as it, as it panned out and I started watching all this stuff, making sure I was, you know, pay attention to modern technology and how people perceive music, I was realized, I was like, wow, it all sounds like shit. So, you know, you should do a good live album, you know? So I think we will. We'll do an album that's recorded, you know, like the, the guys used to do it, yeah. you know, like with a mobile unit and just make sure it sounds fucking great but not just, you know, recorded off some stupid device. And now would you, if, if just out of curiosity, would you approach it as like, let's record this tour or you're like, let's just get this one show, one moment. We got to name. Well, of course you want the, you want the one moment, yeah, you know, yeah. of course that's what I would want. You know, I want the Kobo hall moment. Yeah. Um, but even the Kobo hall moment wasn't the Kobo hall. <laughs> when it, when I, when actually all the truth shook out, like, 
that Kiss Alive record was a bunch of different takes from different places. I know, yeah. I, when I learned you this know? stuff, I, I was, I was, I don't know how old I was, probably like 13 or 14, and someone's like, hey, listen, man, I think I had like Iced Earth Alive in Athens. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's three, three CDs, and they hit everything. They're like, no, dude, that's like, you know, and, th- and then I got explained, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, so, but to me, I'm like, don't ruin my fantasy. That, see, like you said, some, sometimes we like to get lied to and like let it just be real, man. <laughs> you know, like, I know, I know. So, real. I mean, I'll try for it. Believe me, if, if any band in the world is ready to do that one moment, it's the band I'm with now. The guys I play with, Bob, Phil, Garrett, and Chris, these guys nail it. I mean, it's all the way live rock and roll. You know? so, we're like, so I'll, I'll try it. You know, we're going out in Europe and a month and we'll record some stuff and uh, I'll keep recording over the year. And if we get it, even if we get like, you know, two shows that we have to put together, that would be fine. I won't lie either. I'm not, you know, I won't do the, nah. I mean, I wish I could do the Cobo Hall moment, but I don't think anybody would believe it anymore. So, Hey man, if you, if you, uh, if you did it, make, yeah, if you do it in the one moment, just own that. Be like, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> like we did it, you know, cause that makes it more special for, for like fans like me, you know? So, um, now, with the music, like on the new record, Mindfucker, man, you wrote, uh, as most bands, and I think how you do it, right, you, you write the music first, and then the lyrics come after. Yeah. And now the lyrics for this record, when you started to actually write it, this was on Trump's inauguration day. And despite your political leanings, and I'm not going that route, the insanity mm-hmm. of the election was just everywhere for all of us. You know, we, we, it was just in our face. Um, did yeah. That, did that affect you in your lyrical writing? <clears throat> Oh, yeah, it totally, it totally did. How could it not? Yeah. You know, it's like you don't watch like the Hindenburg blow up and, and go write a song about like driving in your car, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I just saw the Hindenburg blow up. Oh, yeah, well, I was writing this song about my girlfriend. You, know? you got to write about it. And the way I looked at it beyond politics is that it was just like this is, this is a 21st century fucking phenomenon. The mindfuck of all mindfucks. Yeah, the information age just collapsed on itself. <laughs> the whole, everything, you know, all this, it's going to be great, the information age, blah, 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 blah. We're like, well, nobody planned on the fact that nobody, but everybody would be fighting, you know, and the internet would be out of control, and we're living this, like, like what we talked about at the, at the top of the conversation, yeah. that everything would be so just muddied up. Mm. And I was like, well, there you go. We really are, this is like a total mind fuck. Now, what the hell am I going to write about? I don't want to be, I don't want to be a preacher. I'm not accredited, um, you know, <clears throat> political science major. I don't want to be. I never wanted to be. I don't look up to politicians, left or right. Uh, you know, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. But, <clears throat> you know, I know, I know when things are, are, uh, are crazy, that I can tell. So, how can I write this good time rock record? this kiss record that we were talking about or whatever and, and still get how I'm feeling onto it because that's important to me. I can't write screenplays. I'm not Iron Maiden. You know, I can't write rhyme of the ancient Mariner and metal fantasy albums. You know, that's just not in me. I can't do it. Those are like screenplays. Yeah. Amazing. So, screenplays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're amazing. They're yeah. great and stuff, but that's it's just hard. not me. I mean, yeah, I got to write. I, I was taught at an early age to write about what I know or what I feel, you know. For better or for worse, I got to stick with it. And this time happened to be amazingly timed <clears throat> that, uh, that the whole election happened. And then with the time I had scheduled to write my words was the actual week of the inauguration. 
you know, and so I watched this like, you know, weird speech, this bizarre, bizarre speech. And already this giant, uh, crazy, like bullshit happened with just lying. Everyone's just lying all the time. And just like, oh no, there were this many people there. There were not that many people. It was just completely unraveled, right, you know? And we watched the whole American dream just kind of like wind up in a giant like funnel cloud. Like, I don't know what it is. And like I said in the manifesto, there's nobody at the wheel. You know, I was sitting in the backseat of a car and I just looked up and, and the, the driver disappeared. Now there's, the driver's gone, but there's 20 other people going this way, no, that way. So how am I going to write a record without using that stuff? Yeah. Um, but without being a complete preacher, you know, because I don't want to be some douchebag, you know, like snowflake person either. Yeah. I'm not. You know, I'm just like, all right, so I go, all right, keep writing songs about cars and girls, dude, and see what happens, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I, I write these songs, but in it, I just can't help but throwing lines, and I, I, I look back on, the, on most of the stuff, and I see the word lie, and, and my brain comes up in the words, and says, well, obviously, you're, you're paranoid. You've been mind-fucked by the whole thing. So I just kept writing it with the intent of what I had was like a big chorus, you know? Have a big chorus. Have a chorus that somebody can understand. Don't, don't use too many $50 words. So I, I intentionally kept it as on the ground as possible and didn't want it to be preachy, but in the end, it... Uh, you could tell what year it's written in. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's good. And that's though. good. That's a good thing. Yeah, that's a very good thing. So, And with, with art, music, anything like that, um, it's always, for I think most people I talk to, it's it's hard to know when to walk away, abandon it, and move on to the next song. And like you've experienced, yeah. you know, re-envisioning uh, albums and stuff like that, which I, I love that, you know. But um, with this record, were there any songs that were difficult for you to just be like, all right, it's done, i got to walk away, and that you had to revisit before? No, not really. I mean, I, I looked at the whole thing. I mean, of course, I could do the whole thing over again. Yeah. I was, you know, I was that, that, that was like, all right, throw all this stuff out. i got to start again. <laughs> that I brought up a couple times. Like, throw, just throw everything out and just start a whole new record. But I didn't want to get into that thing. I like, I'm too old to keep redoing stuff. Mm. The way I figured if I'm like 60% happy with something I've done, this has been my law for a while. If I'm 60% happy with it, I let it out. I let it go. You know, it goes out into the world for, for, for better or for worse. Because, dude, I could just sit there and just pick nits mm -hmm. from now to the end of forever. Drive myself crazy. So I was like, all right, no, this is what you had. And this is what you got. In 2018. And the immediacy, though, comes off to the listener. Like you said, with the set list mentality, you completely nailed that, you know, as far as on this record. And, oh, thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm glad it comes through. I was hoping it would. First listen, I was like, man, that was immediate. That was, uh, like I said, a rock record. It, it all just hit me right away. And then, you know, for me, it, uh, I, I, it takes me a few listens for me to, like, start feeling, you know, but, like, just get that vibe. So I got the right vibe. I got my mindset right. Then upon the next listens, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm getting into now. And it just stays yeah. with you. And like you said, the choruses, you know, I'm screaming, I'm God on the way home. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's just, it's just stuck in your head. And that is important for a record that, you know, is going by, like you said, immediately wise to have parts just remain subconsciously. Yeah. You, you I know? mean, it, and it it's, works. A, it's almost like a pop mentality, you know, it's yeah. like, 
uh-huh, you gotta, you know, you gotta do it. And I was really concerned about the sound too. Like, you know, I could have made this record, <sighs> yes. you know, really, really, really sound good, modern good. And I didn't want to do that because it wind up sounding like everybody else. I mean, it, um, you know, I want record, I want the Mothman records to have a personality of their own. And sometimes that means in the modern age, a little less fidelity than I know I could do. I don't want to have these plastic sounding guitars that a lot of bands have. Um, the sound, the sound of rock records right now is so unbelievably huge and so great. You know, let's just listen to a couple of modern rock records like Mastodon and COC. Mm-hmm. And, uh, amazingly sounded records, you know, like really, really good. And, I really shouldn't mention COC because I really, really like COC records. But um, oh, their new records, yeah, it's oh, really good. Dude. Yeah, it, it's really, really, really good. Yeah. And but you know what I mean? That there's a there's a commonality to a lot of uh, guitar sounds and records in general nowadays. That's kind of due to technology a little bit. It's due to public taste, but it's also due to technology. And uh, I tried to avoid sitting in that pocket all the time because I just can't. For one thing, I don't like the kind of music that that, that kind of technology uh, complements. You know, I'm writing older riffs. I mean, the, the riffs and the drum parts that that I'm writing with Monster Man are not modern. You know, mm-hmm. Mo- modern rock riffs. They're old. You know, they're tried and true and tested rock and roll. You know, rock and roll, especially on this record, not just rock, but rock and roll. And they're they're not metal at all by anyone's standard. So I have to be really, really careful about what kind of personality the record has. And that, that, us- that usually gets me the most freaked out more than the songwriting. It's just, well, how this thing's going to sound when you play it, you know? Yeah. And would it sound better? Like, would it be more impactful if I compressed it digitally and got it right up to the threshold the way a lot of modern bands do? And I tried it, and, and no, it didn't work. You know, I was like, no, it sounds horrible. You lose all the, you know? So that's my, my big, that's what I wrestle with most of the time. Yeah, with, with, with the rock, like you're saying, if you're going for that fuzz, that's going to be more rock. If you're going for distortion, you're going more metal, right? So it, it's, yeah. very, it's very similar like in styles. It's just like you said, there's, there's a tweaking that uh, bands in the back in the day probably didn't have that same option. And that's funny that you did bring that up, though, because your music has always been original. I mean, it's weird and cool, and it's, like, it's rock and roll, you know? Um, but at what stage does your original influences stop influencing you? And you own the creative process, like in your mind. Never, never. No, I. You know, I mean, you do. I would have to wipe out all the love in my body for for music for me to actually think that I was like making it up. You know, yeah. um, but it. I mean, it's easy because it feels like it's part of me. I guess the the best way you call it is like those are my roots. You know, that's what those guys used to call it. That's what, like, Jimmy Page would have called it. Well, blues are my roots. You know, that's what I listened to when I was a kid. Um, so now I just do it, and it just naturally comes out. And the same with me. It's like, it's part of me. Uh, a lot of that stuff, I'll write stuff, not pay any attention to what's going on, and then, like, a month later, listen to the record when it's back, and I'm like, oh, that's fucking, that's Zeppelin. Ah, that's blah, 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 you know. I'll start picking on my own record, like, that's not very original, but 
what do I care? There's nothing original. Yeah, and it's, it's a, yeah, like you said, your personality though. That's that's what's original, and that's the sound that comes off. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully, yeah. once it gets through that machine, you know, the human machine, <clears throat> then it would come out as something. I mean, there's only so many. There's only so many ways I know how to play stuff, and there's only so many. There's I have, you know, talent limitations like beyond what anyone could possibly imagine. So sometimes the lack of actual technical prowess forces, well, often, always, force me to, to interpret things in my own way, and hopefully that'll come out as, a, as somewhat of an original statement in the end. I think I, I think it does, for sure. So, And it, this is your 11th record. Uh, you're close to 30 years in the rock and roll business, man. And... Um, like we just seen Slayer retire. I just asked Zach Wilde the same question. He said he'd never retire because he's living the dream, obviously. Um, but would you consider retiring at some point? Or you do, do you have that rocker-like mentality like Lemmy, like lifer? Um, I, I, I kind of like a lifer, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I imagine if it became like hard to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I was like, they're pushing me in around a wheelchair or something, maybe I'd like consider not doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, but even then, I wouldn't be happy about it. Mm. And the main reason is because it's just too much fun. I mean, it, it's fun on a bunch of different levels. One, it's fun to create, to make something out of out of basically nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the best feeling in the world to like walk down the street one day, going, "Oh, what the fuck is doing?" Bored out of my mind. The next day, like, "I got it!" You know, and then you just run into it's like a mad scientist. I know what I should do. I'm hearing this thing in my head. It's just too much fun. And basically, I could be working in an office right now. I could be pumping gas at the Esso station. It could be a nightmare. My life could be an absolute fucking, you know, pistol to the head nightmare. And uh, I never forget that. So that's number one, to create. Number two is that once all that brain work is done, I get to go out around the world and be like a fucking animal. You know, this is what I got. Check it out. Um, every night, Saturday night. It doesn't get much better than that. I, I really don't think. I mean, I suppose being a, a multi-million money would be nice, but yeah. even as a millionaire just sitting around, like, what are you going to do, play tennis all day? So. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I, I, I completely agree. And when you, you talk about the gas station attendant, like their life is better because they got the headphones in listening to the music you guys create. You know, like that's something oh, that, yeah. that is like, that's, Ooh, well said. Yeah, that, that is something that I see. I'm like, all right, that dude's doing okay because he's got headphones in. And I whatever he's listening to, I know that that's bringing him some joy. And that's a huge thing, you know. So uh, just a couple more questions. Uh, a real quick one. This one might be a tough one and on the spot, but. Because you've done the re-envisioning, you've done the re, uh, revisiting of the records, which I, I think a lot of bands should do exactly how you guys do. Just get those choruses in there and just kind of change it up for us, you know, but let us do the, the yeah. songs we love. I love that because nobody does that. They used to do those remix albums that were like techno, but those were like, come on, you know, I'm talking about. No, that's completely different yeah, than what, what I was doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a remix. I, a remixes are easy. Yeah. The reimaginings are actually hard. No, dude. I remember um, when you talked to the previous host, Chuck and Godless, I remember that episode really well, um, and that was when you were doing the, the Mastermind one. You said Last Patrol was easy because you just got off it, but Mastermind, like you went back to the tapes, and it was like harder than doing a new record. And I was like, the fact that you're even willing to do that and put that out for us is huge, you know? It, it was just such a... Uh, just trying to get, like, you know, I was thinking, 
uh, for a bunch of reasons. One, because it's interesting to do, and I need to, I need to go in there and like figure stuff out in the studio when there's not like new songs, absolutely new songs uh, on the on the operating table. You could do it with old ones, and you know you can't kill the old ones. So I can go in there and experiment and prod around. And but the other thing is like, and I was thinking as I listened to outtakes and, and bonus tracks of, of old outtakes and old mixes of my favorite bands. And they'll come out like, look, Deep Purple did a, you know, they did, all, all, Ian pasted a whole different bunch of drums on a couple takes of Highway Star. I didn't know that. They had a different bass part. I love that stuff. Mm. And it just made, led me to think, well, why not just go in there and, and fuck around with it? I would love that. If I was, you know, if I'm a listener, I would still love it. I would listen right now. I mean, if some of these bands, were, modern bands were to go in there and just go, look, man, we're, we're taking a completely different take on this. I would love it. I was like, show me what you got. You know? Yeah. yeah. A, a, a good song is a good song. Exactly. It's going to be still good when you reinterpret it. Yeah, you know? I agree, man. And which brings me to the question that might be a little tough, but if is there a track in your catalog that you wrote but never really felt right about? Um, and do you want <laughs> sure, to, millions of them? There's millions. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I was just somebody just reminded me today. Like a uh, stadium, a song on uh, Super Judge, yeah. the worst piece of shit I ever heard in my life. I mean, it's bad by anybody's standards, you know, and I can't believe I let this thing go. And I was like, you let this thing go on a record? What kind of record producer are you? And I'm like, well, you're an amateur, dude. You're still a fucking amateur. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, sure, I get that all the time. All the time. Now, is that why you uh, reissued uh, Spine of God and Tab and you did not reissue Super Judge? Uh, no, no, I okay, think it's just that track. Super Judge, Super Judge did get reissued. Oh, my bad. Last year, or, or a couple of years ago, okay. by a British company. Oh, okay. Um, and they did it themselves. Although uh, I definitely could imagine going back in there and fucking with that stuff. Yeah, dude, that would be that would be cool, man. And so, Dave, last question, kind of a, a an obvious one here. You got all the the European dates are, are heading up for Mindfucker. Um, and you'll be touring the record like you do nonstop. Um, any plans on a full North American tour this cycle, like a headlining tour? Yeah, work on it right now for yes. September, tentatively September. Beautiful, man. Um, Mindfucker Tour U.S., the now, whole U.S. I'm going to be selfish because I'm in Las Vegas. It's been a while since I've seen you now, so keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I'd love to go to Vegas. Come to Vegas, man. I mean, yeah, well, we have a good history in Vegas. I have a good history. Montana has a good history in Vegas. I wrote a whole record there one time. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I remember seeing you guys. I mean, dude, I've seen you guys many times, but I can't think. I think the last time I saw you, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was with him. Um, but I, it, it could. You guys had yes. been there since then. Was that the last time you were here? Probably, yeah. Man, I okay. think it was. Okay, September, man. Don't forget us. <laughs> so, because that working I, on it. I don't remember what record that was either. I want to say it was. Uh, hmm, it seems like a couple years back, but anyways, dude. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was in the mid two thousand. Monolithic was, uh, baby. Mo- monolithic baby. Yeah, monolithic cool. baby was the name of the record. Yeah, that was a fantastic, fantastic show, fantastic time, fantastic conversation, Dave. Uh, like I said, big fan for a lot of years. Uh, great talk, man. Everybody, make sure you get out there. Mindfucker is coming out March twenty third. Uh, we'll be playing a track right after this interview, so you guys get a taste of what we're talking about here. And uh, check tour dates. Make sure 
Um, fingers crossed, like you said, hopefully North American headliner in September, guys. Um, and then Europe, you're going to get Monster Magnet uh, a lot earlier than us. So enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. So, uh, Dave, man, thank you so much for uh, calling. Great talking to you, Peter. It yeah. was an awesome conversation. Man. Fantastic time, man. It, was re- it really, truly was, man. So, um, all right, brother. I'll, I mean, we'll talk to you soon, and hopefully uh, I'll see you out here in, uh, in Vegas sometime in September. Right on. Rock on. You too, man. Thank you. Bye.
The Metal Sucks Podcast.
Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia so for your punk metal and rock memorabilia there's only one place to go www.rockabilia.com all right guys we are back uh it's a couple rock and roll songs for you on this record the first one is the title track from the new record mindfucker entitled mindfucker just a fucking great track i'm telling you guys Pre-order that today. It is fantastic. The second song we played for you is off the new Earthless record. Uh, that record is uh, called Black Heaven. It is called March 16th. The song we played is Gifted by the Wind. I've had this record for a while, guys. It is fantastic. Um, I cannot stop li- listening to it. Um, so make sure you guys do check out that new Earthless record, Black say, Heaven. Say Mindfucker again. Mindfucker. Yeah, you were really into saying Dude, that. that record is, this Mindfucker record is awesome, man. I'm telling you, man. Does but it, everything Monster Mag has ever done has been just amazing to me. Like, they that, always change it up, and they always just keep it real interesting, dude. That's that, hard to do. Does that record wear a condom when it fucks your mind? Um, nah. No? Nah. Just raw dog mind. Raw, raw dog your brain? <laughs> raw dog yeah. your brain, bro. Yeah, bro. Ain't no condom on this, on this, uh, on this record. <laughs> if I'm allowed to say that. But with that, with that statement being said, guys, I want to thank Dave very much for calling in. I want to thank uh, uh, Jocelyn for doing the Skype from Claremore, Oklahoma, and always Brandon for uh, being Brandon. Uh, until next week, guys, I, with the Metal Sucks Podcast is over and out. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.